Hello and welcome to another episode of our Public Sector Heroes podcast presented by Public Spend Forum and GovShop. I'm your host, Frank McNally, Learning and Content Development Leader at Public Spend Forum. And I'm very excited to have our guest today, who is a friend of mine and a colleague. We go back a few years, as we'll, as we'll discuss. Uh, but welcome, Florence Casule. Thank you so much for having me. Florence, you're the Director of Procurement at the United States Digital Service, which is awesome. And you started your career as an 1102 uh, at the, the Department of Interior. And you went from there to the DOD and worked your way up to Contracting Officer and Branch Chief within five years. That's an incredible career trajectory. How did you learn about the government contracting space? Because I think a lot of times people wonder, how did you get in contracting? There's no guidance counselors out there. Uh, you know, recommending GovCon or, or the 1102 field? How did you hear about it? So I had just finished my MBA um, at GW, George Washington University. And um, at GW, there was a big contracting presence, government contracting presence. And there were a number of other students in the program in my cohort who were contracting officers um, who were getting their MBAs. So I had heard about this thing called government contracting and acquisitions and procurement through like the multiple and exhaustive team building exercises that you do in every graduate program. Um, so I had heard about it there and then went to a government um, recruiting session right after for all of us as MBAs getting out um, and Department of Interior was there recruiting people for what was then called the government-wide acquisition management intern program. Mm -hmm. So people who had, who were just getting out of the um, out of their master's programs and they were trying to recruit people heavily to be in acquisitions who had already had some management um, experience or background. Um, so in that program, when I was accepted to get into that program, the two years that I was with Department of Interior was within that program. And so what's a bit misleading, if you have anybody looks at my profile is that, yes, I was in 1102 at Department of Interior, but I was never at Department of Interior. I never did the did that kind of work at DOI. I, the, it was um, a career transition kind of program where we, every six months, spent time at a different agency to learn about procurement in that agency. So. I spent six months at DOD, another six months at HHS within a particular optive, another six months another within um, DOD again, and then within the program support center at HHS. So I got to hop around and learn about the world of procurement and the different interpretations different organizations have um, within the world of procurement. How, how important was that sort of career diversity early to see procurement and to see agencies you know, every six months or so. Oh, it was awesome because I, what I would learn at one agency and then try to apply some basic principle at another agency, it was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I just, I just learned about, you know, the rule of public posting, um, you know, that you have to post above $25,000 at one agency and, and their one agency's method of, of doing the public posting was very different from another agency. One mm -hmm. agency would post, you know, at you know the former FBO, um, Fed BizOps. Another would post at a like an actual bulletin board in the hall, outside of the like right outside the security guard posting. And I thought, my God, everyone is 
is actually living out the regulations in a different way. How they interpret it and how they are actually going to engage with the, with the regulations, it's different from agency to agency. Yeah, and that's frustrating from a vendor perspective, I'm sure, but as a, as a new 1102 learning your way around the, the acquisition environment, um, you know, I had similar experiences. I actually was a part of a, an early acquisition intern program, and I think we might have even overlapped at GW, which I didn't realize this until just now, but I was going at night when I was working at the Transportation Security Administration. But, you know, I, I just remember being very eager to do really neat things and learning about techniques that sounded cool and innovative and not always having the space to, to apply those um, on the job. Was, was your experience the same? Um, so because I was in this learning mode, I, I mean, I was like a sponge. I think all of mm -hmm. us were in it. So it was learning, understanding what was important for that agency and how they interpreted the rules and regulations and, and what was important for their mission. Um, fortunately, I, the stars were aligned just right. And I ended up being with some really innovative leaders at that time. So they were very much in, in the, with the mindset of these are the rules and regulations. You, you need to learn them to, so that you, it's just like a game of chess, learn right. the rules in order to then figure out how to push them and you know, learn them really well. And then figure out like, what are the spaces in between that you can use and not violate them, but that you can use to the benefit of the mission and the benefit of the partners that you're working with in this, in this space. I love metaphors. That is a phenomenal metaphor. Procurement is chess. So I follow you on LinkedIn. You've uh, recently been shouting out some women leaders uh, that inspire you. So who were some of those women that inspired you early in your career? Very early on, I have to give a shout out to a woman named Jackie Jones. She spent most of her career at um, HHS, the Program Support Center up in Rockville, Maryland. And She's just a phenomenal human being, um, really positive. Anybody who knows her, who may listen to this, um, Jackie's just one of those people who walks into a room and just brightens it. It's just, she just has that energy. Um, avid golfer, wonderful, like contracting officer who just was really excited about her work. Um, something that she told me very early on was, um, don't go to a place where the mission doesn't excite you. Go to a place where the mission excites you. You can like rally around it because there'll be days that are absolute slogs. But the, if the mission is right and you and it excites you, you'll you'll do more than the you know typical eight hours um, of work, and you'll be excited around the work and the people who are rallying around it. Phenomenal and good leaders are as important as almost anything else. I think that's kind of the dividing line between people who go on to be rock stars in government and then folks who kind of maybe get, you know, um, jaded or whatever. It's just the leadership cultivation that they experience. Anybody Absolutely. else? Um, yes. Linda Allen, um, who was when I went to DOD after the two year um, rotational program through um, Department of Interior, we got to do like a medical school matching where you, mm. you selected the organization you wanted to be with and they selected the interns that they wanted to take on as their full-time employees. And I matched with DOD, Washington Headquarters Services that provides um, the, the acquisition support for um, organizations within the fourth estate, the Pentagon within DOD. And Linda Allen at the time, I think she was a branch chief. Um, by the time 
I ended my time with, um, with Washington Headquarters Services. She was the senior procurement um, person. She was the HCA there, the director of the acquisition shop. And she was just a phenomenal person. She, one thing that she always used to say is be the weather, like right. bring the sunshine, be the weather to your program offices, to the, to your industry partners, because it, you, you set the tone in meetings, you set the tone with different engagements. And I believe in that. Um, and she, she was also just like a, a consummate, um, professional where she is someone who said, if you're doing the job for, you know, if you're treating this as a job and you're here for eight hours, you're not going to thrive. Absolutely. Um, be like, be all in if you're really interested in this and like you're being all in probably means you're going to learn more about this outside of regular hours. You're going to do things with part with your, with your colleagues outside of regular hours, like contributing to professional organizations or doing some more like Googling of different things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, both of those women were instrumental in where I am today. Fantastic. So, so you went from the civilian 1102 space into the Department of Defense. What was that transition like, especially for uh, you know, a young woman in the early parts of her career? Um. Well, thank you for saying that. I wasn't particularly young <laughs> at the time. <laughs> uh, I, I, at, least, at least I didn't feel like it. Um, <laughs> but I, I had already had a career already in international education and right. managing international education programs around the world at different universities. So I, I, I was already pretty stable in myself and in my like career grounding. So um, jumping from the civilian world through these rotations to DOD, it was a smooth process for me, um, especially because through the rotations, I had already had a taste of DOD. I already knew mm -hmm. a number of the players already within the Washington Headquarters Services Acquisition Directorate. So um, having matched there, it was, it was a soft landing because I had already known many of the players, but it was also, I through those rotations, I'd learned that DOD provides absolutely awesome training to its 1102 workforce. Um, it really pours into that workforce very well, um, or at least did at the time that I was that I was being trained up. And so I was confident that being part of that organization as a career like journeyman, journey person in it was the right place for me. That's great. That's great. And they do do a great job through DAU and some of their other initiatives. And I know the, the copper cap program over at Air Force is one yep. of the models for those early acquisition intern programs. So Absolutely. Kudos to what they're doing. Now, we we first met actually, I think it was 2017 timeframe, although I'm not exactly sure, but you were part of the inaugural digital IT acquisition professionals cohort. So another opportunity to, to learn um, specifically digital services procurement. What I like about that program is it was created using an acquisition method that people consider innovative today and called a challenge. And now it's a fixture of OFPP's contracting certification. It's a core plus certification. You're the director of procurement at the United States Digital Service. What are some of the initiatives that get you the most excited about um, and that maybe can even increase some diversity and representation in government digital services? Sure, so in government digital services, I see there, there are multiple roles, right? So <clears throat> you have people who are in contracting spaces like I am. Um, you also have 
product folks and engineers and designers, bureaucracy hackers, however you wanna call them, they are out there. What we've done and what I think USDS has done a really good job at is being, um, representing ourselves within um, different spaces so that to show people out within industry, this is a great place to be. Um, and we want to see you represented here. So a few of those spaces are, um, a few years ago, I went with a team to Afrotech out in Oakland to be out there, have conversations with um, budding technologists um, to, to, to recruit and tell them more about civic tech. Um, engaging with groups like Black Girls Code or Latinas in Tech or Lesbians Who Code, like um, so there or Lesbians Who Tech, so that they know that this organization exists within the government, but that there are also other opportunities within the government to contribute. And if you're not going to join the government and you're in um, industry and you're part of organizations or teams that are getting contracts or pursuing contracts with the government, you know that organizations like ours exist that want to do work with you or want to work with other teams in government who want to do work with you. Um, but I think it's important to, as people are trying to increase um, diversity and representation, be comfortable going into those spaces where people are um, in order to have those conversations. Do you think some of the programs the Small Business Administration uses to increase socioeconomic diversity uh, are, are effective at creating opportunities and breaking down some of the barriers that we see in uh, getting into government contracting? I think they can be. Um, I think the mentorship programs are particularly um, sound like and good to ensure that those um, organizations, women-owned small businesses can can partner with another business, whether it's women-owned small business or a veteran-owned or service-disabled veteran-owned um, business, that they can partner and learn the ropes from one another. I think they do a good job at that, but it really is incumbent on the business that wants to do business with the government to learn the ropes mm -hmm. and to like find a friend, phone a friend within who has who is you know a little bit further along the trail to figure out. How, what are the hoops that I need to jump through? What are the things I need to learn about in order to navigate and figure out my what's right for me and my business? That's great feedback uh, and advice. Finding a prime vendor who would be interested in, I mean, the mentor-protege program is phenomenal, but even just getting a small subcontractor, being able to like support them in some of their capture opportunities and learn right. from people who have established best practices. Mm -hmm an excellent way to, uh, to, to grow your business. And it's obviously not easy and um, socioeconomic certifications are phenomenal to have and you should get them if you qualify, but they're definitely not a panacea. And right. so you do have still have to do the legwork, but, but great. Um, all right, I wanna learn a little bit more about Florence. So you're a self-described acquisition nerd and bureaucracy <laughs> slayer and hacker which is awesome. I love that description. What do you like in meetings? Like, what's your style? What's my style? You're feeling my style now. This is who I am. <laughs> I don't think I bring, and I, I can't bring another Florence into a meeting. Like, this is who I am. You're right. hearing me now. And um, I like connecting with other people. I like um, chatting about like, what did you do on the weekend? So we mm -hmm. could figure out like, do we have some things in common? 
Um, and I think people on a basic level want to connect and want to see how am I familiar to you or how what familiar things do we have in common? Um, and whenever we're in meetings, whatever meetings we're in, it's, you know, the agenda is what are we, you know, what are we about to, what are we pursuing? What, what are the goals? What are the outcomes? What are the metrics that we are pursuing or that we've accomplished? But I think at the beginning, it's really just, especially now, because we're not all physically together. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to just like have a moment to like make the human connection and then Absolutely. dive into whatever meetings that we're an agenda that we're going into. I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important to be an authentic presence. And I remember early in my career, you know, not knowing how to handle myself in meetings and, you know, not really being unconfident and maybe nervous about saying the wrong, the wrong thing. But I think as I, you know, met more people and, and learned from others, it was, it was kind of a natural transition into just being yourself and connecting with mm -hmm. people and being a human being like, it's, it's especially important in contracting because, you know, we have, we as the contracting professional kind of at the, at the middle of the wheel, we have to connect with our customers on the program side, our chief counsels for compliance. We have mm -hmm. uh, vendors that really want to connect with us and learn. And so you just sort of have to be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And you kind of can't be inauthentic in that approach. Right. Um, so, no, that's a great answer. All right. Tell me about a, a, a time when you overcame an acquisition challenge. Oh, goodness. So um, I think I've shared this before with some people, but I, as an, as an operational contracting officer with DOD, the, a team that I was on, we were responsible for helping digitize the Pentagon post office. And um, that was quite a challenge, um, but it was it was a fun it was a fun challenge. But it was one where there were so many aspects to it. And Frank, I look back now and I'm like, what <laughs> what were we doing? Because we didn't. There was no like human centered design as part of it. There was no like user centered really anything to it. And it was. I look back now and I'm like, oh goodness, there's so many things we would have changed. But the challenge then was making sure that the, the employees of the post office were heard, but we didn't have the language of like user-centered user design or anything, but making sure that they, when we did the requirements building, that there was training for them, that they, that when it went from like physical, putting it through the machine to like scanning so that it would, the senior executives across the Pentagon would get their mail scanned. Um, instead of physically delivered, that procurement was a challenge, um, particularly because we we needed to ensure that the vendor community understood what the heck we were doing mm -hmm. um, and making sure that people could come into the Pentagon to tour the facility to understand like what exactly physically are we trying to do here? We are digitizing the thing, yes, but there's a whole physical component to it of bringing in like different types of machines and yep. the software component that goes with it and the testing that's going to go with it. Like there were so many aspects to it, but I'm thankful that I, that I was in an organization that was fine with like taking a few knocks here and there and trying to figure things out along the way that Absolutely. did not believe in like, it's going to be absolutely perfect 
the first time around. Like we didn't have the language of MVP then, but mm -hmm. that's how we were engaging. That's, that's amazing that you had that, that culture of, it doesn't have to be perfect. It probably won't be perfect. Mm -hmm. You brought up human-centered design and user-centered design, and it kind of echoes our last conversation because there are humans at every end of the process. I saw a tweet the other day, not to imply that the prior process was broken, but the tweet was, if you digitize a broken process, you will have a digital broken process. <laughs> That's great. And it's so true. <laughs> yes, it is true because you can't just apply a digital layer and suddenly everything works. And so when you are bringing in vendors to tour the facilities. And I imagine you uh, and your and your team probably did that first to get in there and like see what the process was. You have to understand it at an elemental level. You have to put yourself in the user's shoes. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only way that I think we're going to modernize some of these digital services in government, uh, which is going to be a very exciting time, especially now with the, the, um, the modernization fund that uh, mm -hmm. looks like it's gaining some steam. So right. I think we have a very exciting um, eight years ahead of us, mm -hmm. four years, maybe eight years. We'll see. Who knows? So um, <laughs> what is, uh, I guess, let me ask you this. So what is one skill that, um, that has made you uniquely qualified for government contracting? So uh, if curiosity is a skill, I think that's yeah, mainly absolutely. it mm -hmm. in terms of, I love going down rabbit holes and there are, so, I mean, what is, what doesn't have more rabbit holes than government procurement? Oh my God. So um, my- Choose your own adventure books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's like today, and when it comes to um, technology and the teams that I was supporting before, mm -hmm. it was like, what is going to come in our inbox today? You know, sure. it can go from like buying servers one day to buying like server racks the next day to buying to like learning about a new type of technology on, you know, on a Monday and then having to figure out what the heck it is, mm -hmm. you know, and be smart about it by Wednesday so that you're meeting with the CIO to talk about it and, and procurement approaches around like the curiosity that's that I have to like to learn about the process and understand, okay, well, what the heck is this thing? Like, I'm, I, I will tell anybody, I don't know what the heck that is, but I'm gonna learn about it. I'm gonna Absolutely. do all the, all the Googling and YouTubing and phoning a friend and whatever else needs to happen in order to learn that thing and figure out like, what don't I know? And so in order to like call Frank <laughs> or, or call Frank's friends right. um, who, who may be able to like make me um, sharper in order to be an effective, you know, business advisor and contracts person. It's a terrific answer. And anybody listening right now that's interested in going into government contracting as a career field, I mean, being curious and just having that learning agility, hugely important because you're right. We wear so many different hats. We do so many different things. It's was one of my favorite things about being an 1102, a job that has definitely stood out in my career and one that maybe I'll have an opportunity to do again in the, in the future. But, um, but for now, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool time to be alive. It's Women's History Month. We're, uh, we're at the eight-year anniversary this month, in fact, of, of Sheryl Sandberg's Lean Den. United States Digital Service turns seven in August. That's an Obama-era program. <clears throat> we have a, a current administration that I think is the most representative in terms of leadership and cabinet level positions in our nation's history. We've got 
the first female vice president. We've got five women in the cabinet, including yes. our first female treasury secretary and Janet Yellen. Yes, yes. The first openly gay man. And right. uh, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation right. secretary. Four out of the 15 uh, people in the cabinet right now identify as black or Latino. And then we've got great diversity right. in age. I think mm -hmm. from 39 years old, that's Mayor Pete to 74. I guess he's secretary Pete now. <laughs> What's the energy like uh, in your workplace today? Um, I think the energy is high. People are excited, but people are also tired. Like, mm -hmm. I think there are people who are, it is, it's an exciting time, but it's also, you have to temper. I think you have to temper your excitement because there are so many projects that mm -hmm. are out there to work on. Um, and we're all trying to make sure that, that we like level out and make sure and have the energy to run this race. Like I'm a, we were talking a little bit before this, this started, I'm a runner and you have to like get the, get, get your rest, mm -hmm. get your running legs, you know, energized, build the muscle around like, what is this? Is this going to be a sprint? Is this going to be a 5k? Is this going to be an actual marathon? I think people are excited to work on the variety of projects that are in front of us, but it's, I think people are also particularly interested and excited about expressing their unique interests and bringing their whole selves to work. Um, given the representation that, that you just, you know, you just shared, um, among the cabinet members, among people who are just, who are joining government at this time. I think people are just, are really excited about the opportunity to be in government. Now, how excited are you to get back in the office? Oh God, come on now. Why do you have to bring us down? Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I can say I, I'm excited to see people for sure. Am I, but I am, am I excited about like the commute yeah. and the, like all of that? No, not really. I mean, I've, I've, I love, I love being at home. I mean, mm -hmm. I will love it even more when my children go back to school. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so, you know, that's a whole different thing. Um, I've, I'm used to working from home. I, I worked USDS is, is a remote friendly organization. Mm -hmm. So was defense digital service. And so I was, I was used to working from home a lot but not with small people around. Gosh, so gosh, tell me about it. That is the game. You're not, I mean, some, a friend described the difference between a trip and a vacation and a trip as if your children are attending. <laughs> well, I mean, I, think, yeah. I do, I do hope. And I think that you, you hear talk about, because prior to part of what we've just gone through, you know, there was a lot of concern and questions about could, could the government, you know, really embrace a remote work or a hybrid program. I'm hoping now that when we come back, we can kind of have the best of both worlds because mm -hmm. I get energized being around people, but I don't want to go to a cubicle from nine to five every day. Right. So hopefully, you know, schedules will permit people to kind of manifest their own and, and be responsible for, for being in. And um, mm -hmm. we can have a really nice hybrid approach where you can, if the kids are home, you can get into the office. And if they're not there, you can, you can work from home, but we'll see. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and land the plane, you know, and it is, like I said, it's great having you on. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, we're excited about, about this diversity. We're excited about Women's History Month. We've actually just at Public Spend Forum uh, launched a really exciting uh, partnership that we are proud to, to be a part of. It's with the Shatter Fund and the Shatter Fund uh, led by Shelly Kapoor Collins is bringing more female entrepreneurs and female led tech companies 
into the startup space and now specifically into government contracting. So we at Public Spend Forum are going to partner with the Shatter Fund to bring um, more of those people into government. I'd like to know from your perspective, what is some of the advice that you would give a, a startup or small business owner that's interested in government contracting? Um, I think some of it was what we discussed earlier, build your relationships, find people who are in, who are doing things that, that excite you in the government contracting space and, you know, reach out to them. I think one of the benefits of being in this virtual land is everybody's at home. They can't say that they're somewhere else. So they, (laughs) so they, you hit them up via LinkedIn or find their email and ask for a like a coffee chat or a water chat or whatever you want to like make, make those introductions. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in order to see, to pick people's brains, about how did they get into the space? How, how they found um, navigating through the different spaces? How has that worked for them? You know, there are some small businesses where they target some of the smaller agencies mm-hmm. because some of the smaller agencies may like, and when I say small, smaller agencies, I mean like actual small agencies, like um, that, like the Kennedy Center or sure. some other places that are that are smaller and more contained than like Department of Defense, you know, right? And um, or small places like the National Labor Relations Board. I was I was there for a year and got to learn about these small agencies and the great work that they're doing, and and on the procurement side, how nimble they can be. And that, that there are places for where small businesses may be able to like work better and get their footing in the door easier sometimes in smaller spaces. Um, but I'd say just look around to see what are the, what other organizations, companies are doing good work in spaces where you'd like to be and, and phone, the, call them up and mm-hmm. see if you can get, you know, some, some time with them to, to learn more about how they got in and, and what are the challenges and benefits of being in these different spaces. I think that is, that is really insightful advice to look at some of the smaller agencies. I mean, not, not many brand new contractors are going to come in and land a a big deal with DOD or at Homeland Security. It's just not, you know, not, practicable. But if you do focus on some of the smaller agencies, smaller dollar opportunities too, mm-hmm. the simplified acquisition threshold is now at what, $250,000. So I guess small right. is probably a relative term for, mm-hmm. for a lot of these startups. Um, look for the innovation where the innovation is, is, is happening. Things like challenges, micro purchases, things like this that I know that your organization at, at USDS is going to promote. Um, you can build a roadmap and you can get there, but it's definitely going to take a lot of time and effort. Um, any part of the other part that I would say is find an acquisition buddy, like find somebody who, because I've, I've definitely have met with a number of, of small businesses who are like, I've got my business development person. I've got my engineers. I've got Mm -hmm. my designers. I've got, and then, and I ask them who's going to, who's managing your acquisition process do you have an acquisition a contracts manager and they're like no but i i pay for a lawyer five hours a a week or something and i'm like oh so find somebody that if that lawyer is well versed in acquisitions and like the world of government acquisitions great but you need to put in some time and resources in learning or paying somebody to learn the acquisition space couldn't agree more. And there are a lot of great resources out there. People who do this 
and they're part-time or whose mm -hmm. full focus is on contract compliance, contract, you know, uh, strategy and execution. So it really does help to have somebody who has experience in, in writing and pursuing government contracts because, right. you know, you try to read a government solicitation and it'll make your head spin. Right. There are a lot of words and a lot of pages <laughs> and uh, kind of, kind of like some software where, uh, you know, uh, uh, 80% of the features aren't used and it's really that 20% core. That's kind of how a government solicitation is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you better hit that 20%, right? Or else it's, you know, yeah. you're, you're deemed non-responsive. And so it's like, get, make sure that you have somebody who knows how to read the, you know, between the lines and, mm -hmm. and between the lines to make sure that you, you know what you're actually being asked to, to submit or provide. Sure. Well, well, this has been an outstanding conversation. Lots of wisdom shared. I appreciate it. I like to end with a fun question. This may or may not make the cut in post-production, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it's almost baseball season. My friend Amber uh -oh. Hart on Twitter asked this question recently, and I just thought it was so awesome. Uh, she said, what is, if, if you're going into a really important meeting, you know, like baseball players have a walk-up song that plays when they come up to bat. Okay. What walk-up song would be playing in your head going into a really important meeting to get you psyched up for the, uh, for the <laughs> affair? Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to be honest. The one, so what jumped into my head immediately was like red hot chili peppers. Um, oh my God. Give it away. What is yes. it? What's it? Yes. Give away so, the money, right? You're giving away the money. <laughs> <laughs> so that that like that rhythm is what yes. would be going through my head yes oh phenomenal well that's a good that's <laughs> definitely making the cut that is amazing Lawrence <laughs> thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it yeah my pleasure thanks for thanks so much for having me this was fun excellent we'll do it again maybe yeah all right thank you thanks for listening to the show today for more great content from public spend forum and gov shop Check us out on the web at www.publicspendforum.net or www.govshop.com. And for information about our partnership with the Shatter Fund, check out www.govshop.com backslash partner backslash shatter.